Yeah, if you guys ever want like honest, like unbiased opinion from like that uncle that you really wish wouldn't be honest with you, ask Joe what to do about like being on TV. I'm obsessed with like I've been trying to be on Survivor for so long, and after a while, Joe just sends me this message and goes, "I'll tell you what to do. What did you, what did you say? Like drop twenty pounds uh-huh. and pick your storyline. Otherwise, no one's gonna care about you. And you know what? That's like very true, and that's yeah. what I'm working on. Yeah. Here's the thing." Here's the thing, and that's that's the most constructive criticism that this th- this dude is going to get from anyone in Hollywood. So good for you. Here's the deal, and it has to do with Survivor. Survivor gets so many applications that you have to be smoking hot, like smoking unbelievably, like diamond in the rough. Why aren't you a model hot, or an old Chinese man, or like an old Jewish lady, like. Mm-hmm. It's it's the extreme, and unfortunately, you're not. Um, uh, you're in the middle. No, I'm I'm in I'm like table for one at Chili's in this this spectrum of. Wait, hold of, on for a second. I thought Lauren Eckert she's moving to LA next year, and she just talked. To, I thought you already were here, Lauren. Anyway, uh, so with she's Evan, like, Evan, like I'm not even joking. I don't care how hot you think you are. I don't care how hot you think you are. If you want to like lower your self-esteem, go to LA because it's ten thousand people hotter than you. Oh yeah, no, 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 I'm ready to be. I'm, I'm ready for this experience when I come out there soon. It's so sad. Lauren's moving in September. Okay, um, so there's that. Um, now, what's funny is if you wanted to go on the Amazing Race, um, you oh you don't want to go on the Amazing Race. I want to be on Survivor. I want to be on Survivor my whole life. It's Why? not about being on TV. It's Survivor. It's Why? Survivor for me. I am just that show is so important to me. It's just it's so it's such it's the most it's the most important reality TV show on the planet. It's then, our, this entire be, movement. Uh, okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. Part two. I, then you're going to have to. It's the same advice that I'm giving Roberto. You're going to have to take like TV hosting broadcasting classes because. Actually, when I speak to Roberto, he's actually pretty good. He just needs basic skills. Girl, you can't string a fucking sentence together. So, like, how is it going to be when you're on the confessional? That'll be different because it's okay. not. I'm not so, being do, asked so do a confessional right now. You're right, okay, you're right. So, so you're I'm asking right. a question. No. I'm asking you a question. So we're doing a confessional right now. Okay. I'm the producer. Okay, I'm the producer. Okay. So, Evan, uh, um, what's a good one? Okay, here's a good one, Evan. Joe was saying today that he thinks that, you know, you might have a drinking problem because you literally, all your social media stories were about drinking. How did that make you feel? What did you think about that? Um, Well, it's interesting that Joe thinks that because, you know, on day three, when he was about to pass out because he only had four cups of rice when everyone else only gets two cups of rice, I like, you know, slid him some of my food and I was really trying to be there for him as a friend. But you know, if he thinks that I have a drinking problem, then that's probably just a reflection of some insecurity with within himself. So I'm fine with him having that thought. It's a game we're all here to win, and I'm going to talk to Joe. Like I don't think that what he's saying really matters. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not here to make friends. And so if I have a drinking problem, the only problem is that I don't have a drink to throw in Joe's face. Next question. Um, I noticed that you were looking at Mark on the beach. Hell yeah, I was looking at Mark. Have you seen Mark? Look, you casted this bitch. Look at him. Mark could meet me in the immunity idol hut anytime. Find my idol. Jesus. Oh, what were you saying? Sorry. 
<laughs> Flavio says, Evan, this is terrible. This is Sorry. terrible. I know. I'm being silly at this point. I don't have a drinking problem. No, but you see, no, but I will say you're you're great, but you're no, but you are actually very good at giving advice, and you're very good at being blunt, which I appreciate. No, but but here's what's funny is you're too in your head. That's the problem. You're too in your head. Oh yeah, right I'm, now, right yeah. now, when you said I don't have a drinking problem, that was the best thing you said. That was literally I'm as a producer, I'm like, oh wait, I could use that. So you have to get well, out of your because then you would just. Yeah, well, also, you're not. You don't talk about drinking problems on Survivor. It's a whole different thing. No, well, no, I wasn't doing Survivor. There, I was actually just trying to get you to do a confessional. You took it. To oh, Survivor. I was doing Survivor, no, so I that's want, what I, I was you, saying. Yeah, I'm I know, sorry. I want you to do. I want you to do right now. So let's try it again. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Okay. So Evan, you. I'm uh, already slurring my words. Good lord, Flavio. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Right here. I, I want you to be careful. So um, again, this is real life. This is not Survivor. I want you to pretend there's a reality show called. Seventh Evan, okay. Called what? Seventh Evan. Seventh Heaven. No, Seventh Evan. Okay. Okay, that's the name of the reality show. Seventh Evan. Okay. And it's there's seven all, Evans competing. It's just yeah, it falls different seven different people named Evan. Okay, you're number five. Okay. And it's following your life. Okay. So. Okay. So now we're going to do something that really happened to you in your life. For those of you who don't know, on this show, uh, Evan's boyfriend a few weeks ago was hit by a car as they were leaving a bar. Okay? True story. So, Evan, why don't you tell us, I'm the producer, tell us what you were thinking. But do it in the present tense, as if it's happening right now. Tell us what you were thinking when... Tell us what happened and tell us what you were thinking. So... You know, and I'm walking wait, 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 outside wait, 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 of this advice. bar. Wait, wait, and wait, wait. Some advice. Yes. Just be honest. Just be like you're talking to me. You're my friend. Yeah. This is Joe. You're talking to me, and I want you to just be honest. Don't, don't. You're not on TV. You're not doing an audition. Just be honest. Be Evan. So, we're leaving this bar, and we're walking outside, and it sucks because I know we didn't need that last drink, but it was, and so that. And we're walking outside and Dan always does this thing where he can't just wait two seconds. He's always got to go somewhere. And there was just one street and he crosses the street and I don't, and I wait for him and I yell at him to come back. And out of nowhere, this asshole in a fucking white sedan clips him and he's hit blah, blah. blah. And you know, when you like, you think you're watching like someone else on TV, like Mm -hmm. that's how like it, like everything just stopped and i've just i've never seen somebody hit the pavement like that before it was terrifying and i just kind of like it was kind of this weird thing where like i thought i had to shit and vomit and scream and cry and tell everyone in my life that like that's ever wronged me that like they needed to say sorry it was all these emotions at once and i just i i, I froze i didn't know what to do but what it's was also you? really tough. That was a that was a really sad moment in my life. Why would no, you do that to me? No, I'm not doing. This is what's going to happen on Survivor. So or on this on, is what producers do. Yeah, on Seventh Evans. But what were you? But what were you feeling? What were the emotions you were feeling? I was feeling scared. I'm scared. I'm stressed. I'm wondering if I can handle taking care of this person. Oh, that, were you I, really thinking I'm that? shaking, and I can't even call the police. Like, like some girl has to come help me do it. I'm 
he's bleeding out on the sidewalk. And oh, wait, he was bleeding. Tell, I, tell I don't me about know. That. Tell, tell me about that. He was bleeding. Yeah, what, was, what were you seeing? Paint the picture for me. Paint the picture with what? Of what you were seeing. <laughs> so I, I don't feel good doing this. because This is like not like a joke. <laughs> but no, he was bleeding out. He was unconscious. And he's just laying there and his bag is everywhere and his pants are ripped his shoes are off because he got like hit so quickly and everyone just freaking out everything kind of just was really blurry at that point and I remember talking to a police officer and I remember wondering if he was going to die because he just stopped stopped speaking dude did you call 911 who called 911 um some girl that like watched it happen what was what were you doing I was trying to take care of him. It was either, um, it was either like chasing him, chasing the car down the street, which was not an option, or like being there for him. And I did the the latter. So that was that. How did you get? Did you ride in the ambulance, or how did you get to the hospital? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, I rode in the ambulance with him, and I got to. I mean, I was like with him the whole time, which was surprising because most places aren't cool about. Like, I mean, I wasn't like a family member, so that was difficult. But did the car, it was scary. Did the car stop? And no, they drove off. They drove faster. Yeah, it was a hit and run. And we'll never know who did it because the police officers that we fucking got assigned to this damn task, they were on vacation when this happened. And they're so slow at responding that the the video of the surveillance video from the intersection has been wiped. So we don't know. We'll never know. But whoever you are, if you're watching out there, if you're tuning into VH1 or CBS, whatever fucking network this on, I hope you choke on a shitty rib from fucking Chili's. I hope you choke on it, and I hope that your server doesn't know what to do for you, so you die. So after you got to the hospital, how long was it before? Like, where did where did they send you? Where did you go? We were, I was there with them the whole time. We were there for seven hours. Oh, they didn't just rush them in? And they had to, like... No, they I mean they know they rushed him in, but we had to do an MRI. Then we had to do like. But where were you? They had to do blood samples. I was I was in the room with him the whole time. Oh, you never left his side. No, because he kept freaking. Yeah, he kept freaking out when I would leave, and he would only freak out when I'd leave because he couldn't yell at me for being there. He's a bitch. He was like, I'm never forgiving you for this. And he kept telling me, he kept telling the nurses that I hit him, that it was me that did this. To be like, funny, that's us. Why was he like, doing? He kept being, he kept being like, oh, this is the guy that did it. Like, get him out of here. And like, I, I mean, he's obviously kidding. And that's like our joke. But then they look at you and they're like, and I'm like, no, 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 it's not me. And then that's what, that's what everyone says when they're the ones that beat someone and put them in the hospital. So it was a very uncomfortable, but funny experience. Were you there when he came to? Yeah, I was there. He doesn't remember any of it, but yeah, I was there. What did he say when he came to? What the fuck am I doing here? Get this neck brace off me. Oh, so when he first came to, he was in a neck brace. Yeah, we put him in a neck brace, and he was like laying in bed, and like he kept having to pee. It was not fun. But no, like no, the but, thing is, he's just not he's what, he's not a victim. So yeah, it was a good time. Girl, this is why. Look, you have to just answer the question. Just answer the question. Just don't don't make up the story. This is what the problem. It's not. Right? I'm not making up the story. No, I know. That's I don't, I, just, no, 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 no. I don't mean like making up the story in terms of. Uh, I like believe you. Like fabricating it. I mean, like you're trying to like swerve the direction of the storyline. Just answer the question I ask you. And so I'm, I'm trying to teach you right here. I'm trying to teach you how to do. Thank that. you. So, you're right. No, I appreciate so, it. So here's the deal. So I'm gonna ask you questions. I'll, I know where the story is going. I'm the story producer. Just answer the question, okay? And you also need to talk in the present tense, okay? So 
Flavia says, don't joke about that. I know, I gotta pull that clever. I keep forgetting to do that. So, he's passed out. You run to his side. What? Some A girl who's there calls 911, correct? What are you doing while he's passed out and you're waiting for 911? Or the uh, paramedics to get there? I'm just sitting there at 10.30 at night on a cold, nasty night. Like, my boyfriend is bleeding out in front of me. He's, like, not thinking? responsive. And I'm just wondering if if there's anything that I could do. And I'm wondering if I'm doing enough, and if I'm enough, and if anything else matters. And I, nothing seemed to matter at that point. And I just kind of went blank. And the next thing I knew, I was in a uh, in a, an ambulance. And we're driving, and wait, 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 I'm, wait, wait, he's you're, you're, you're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. Well, that's what's happening. No, I know, but I thought I need I'll answer the only answer the question. Did you think he was dead? Did you know he was okay? What were you thinking? No, I didn't think he was dead, but I didn't think he was okay. I knew he wasn't okay. I thought he at least had broken bones. I thought that there was he was going to have major trauma, or internal bleeding, but I didn't think he was. I knew he was alive, but I didn't think he was okay. And then the paramedics get there and they and they put him in on the stretcher and put him in the neck brace and all that. And you're saying he mm-hmm. came to while he was there, correct? He came to in the ambulance, and then I sobered up quickly after I like he was like responsive. What, what, um, what, when he came I, to, when he opened his eyes, did he say anything to you? He when he didn't really say anything. He didn't really know where he was. You could tell he was confused. And he was like upset. He like you know he got up. He tried to like get up and get it. Like he didn't realize that he was in an ambulance. That there were needles in his arms. Did he know he'd been hit by a car? No, no idea. No idea that he'd been hit by a car. And what were you thinking when he opened his eyes? I was thinking, thank God he's able to open his eyes, but also, oh shit, we're in for a shit storm here because he's going to be really pissed that we're doing this. Why? Dan is just not a good... He's not a victim. He doesn't do that. So in his mind, he was fine and that he didn't need to be taken care of. He doesn't like being taken care of. He doesn't like people telling him what to do. And as as I knew it was going to happen, he immediately started yelling at people and he was being mean to me and being mean to the paramedics and he just wanted to go home. But that was obviously not a, an option. Who called his parents or who made those phone calls? Uh, Dan called his parents. I I would not do that at all. And then how long, because I remember during the weekend, you were kind of messed up about it emotionally. When, when were you able to sleep that night? Uh, no, actually, I did not sleep that night at all. Because I was like, just like wanted to make sure he was okay. So I like sat up and I like, went to the store when he passed out. And I like got a bunch of like, you know, food and like little like small things for him. And he woke up pretty early and I took care of him in the morning, went to the pharmacy. But no, I, I couldn't sleep at all. So I went that, to work the next day and I was a mess. Do you you guys that, are weird. Do you feel that this bonded you? Yeah, I feel like he was very nice to me after. Like, I mean, you know, you care about someone when you see them in pain and like when you see them being helpless, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never. It's one thing to see it happen and it's one thing to like hear about it. But when you see it and when it's someone that you care about and you feel like you're responsible for kind of taking care of, it's not easy and it sucks. What are your thoughts on it now? Well, we joke about it now because we're evil to each other. Um, I'm just, I'm just so glad that he's okay, and I think it sucks that, um, I think it sucks that 
someone did this to him, but he really, 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 really got so lucky. And he's lucky because he he's not lucky because he got hit by a car. We always joke. But if you were lucky, you would not have been hit by a car. But now I feel that it was a really important thing for him to have. For, it was important for it to happen because I think he he's very much like cautious of his behavior when he drinks now. So there I'm not was, happy it happened, but I'm happy he's okay. There was a comment you made earlier. I think I don't I don't remember if it was a joke or not. Oh no no, you were talking about what you would say to Gaga, and you were saying that she helped you get through your addiction issues. Did you have uh, any kind of addiction problem? Oh, absolutely. What were you addicted to? To the anxiety. I'm addicted to the anxiety. I'm addicted now, that's a, to. That's a very RuPaul quote. But are you being funny? Or you were, yeah. did you really have? A, did you ever have a chemical addiction? Yeah, absolutely. To what? Um, I was really into to uppers when I was in college, big time. What now? T- tell me what that means. What do you mean by uppers? Um, I was I managed a bar in college, and I was often tipped in uh, cocaine, and I just got really into it. And I it was like putting gas in the tank when you were in college. When I was like a twenty two year old, and it was just easy and fun, and it got me through. Mm-hmm. And I became dependent on it, and I just slowly had to wean myself off of it. Was that, was that the only drug that you were using? Or? Yeah. And how did you wean yourself off of it? I moved to Europe and I took care of a child who was incredibly uh, dependent on other people. And I just learned how important it was to take care of yourself and to take care of others that need you more than you might need yourself. And it just really opened my eyes to a lot of more important things. So you haven't used so cocaine since that time? I've used it since, yes. But recreationally, not, um, not for emotional crutches. Oh, were you using it for emotional crutches before? Yeah, completely. What were you trying to? From what? What were you going? It through? was a crutch before. It was it was putting gas in a tank. What does that mean? I don't, tell me what that means. Really hard. For, I'm exposing myself to you guys. I'm so sorry. You have to hear this. Why are you sorry? If they're look, if they don't want to listen, they can sign off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really caring for myself, and then it's, it's like when you're empty and you're tired, and you're exhausted, and you're sad, and you can take this thing that will make you feel better and more awake. You would do it. That's how I felt about it. And this boy, how did you find? Who? What was wrong? What was the nature of his problems? Ah, uh, this boy that I was taking care of, he was, eight, he's eight years old, was eight. He's probably like twelve now. Uh, he was severely autistic, and he had Asperger's and had a very, like, very severe stunted development uh, issues. But his his just capacity to be a normal eight year old was not normal, so he just needed someone to be there for him a lot. And his mom was very sick, and so I kind of came in and became his mom and his dad. And I didn't have time to think about what else I wanted or things that could make me happier. It was more about figure out how to care for somebody else and in learning how to care for somebody else I learned to care for myself do you really believe that or I, I like what no I truly actually no I truly believe that that was like me moving to Germany was the most important thing that's ever happened to me because it really taught me like that how important it is to like in caring for someone else that needs it and I knew was having a better life because of me I learned that I can I am worthy of caring enough for myself to make my life better 
Yeah, but let me ask you this question, because you've commented on this before. You've commented that you said that the reason you got so into Drag Race was because you were very lonely in Germany. I was very lonely in Germany, because I had no one. It was just me. I'm, I was 23 years old. I got thrusted into this life, and I was taking care of someone much younger than me, mm-hmm. taking care of Germans, who I'm a very emotional person, and I'm a very emotive person. Germans are not emotional or not emotive at all. There's no empathy. So even if I was being impactful or caring to them, they weren't going to tell me that, like, that I, you know, they weren't saying, oh, my God, we love you so much, blah, blah. And so I was lonely. I was very lonely. And I had this one show that I was comfortable with and familiar with that would come out and I would buy it the next day on iTunes. And it, it gave me something not to look forward to, but it it was a, a, a external sense of like joy that I made me. And that's why I love this show so much, truly, because it, the lessons that that show teaches you. I think I was maybe just because I was vulnerable and like just needed to hear it. Like the things that I, the things that the show preaches really spoke to me at that time. And so I, I actually really am very much appreciative of the show because of that. Is that why you said that uh, season seven means so much to you? Yeah, absolutely. Season seven was good to me. It was important to me because even when it, it just it, season seven was the first time that I've 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 and I don't know if anyone listening to this is feels like this or whether where everyone's listening from, but I felt like that kid like sitting you know in a midwestern state or something where like it wasn't okay to be gay or like I never had to go through that like I I had everyone had problems or everyone had hiccups coming out, but I was never not accepted, and it I felt very lonely and Drag Race really kind of made me feel like I was connected to something again and it's. I lived in a very small town. I didn't have anyone my age to be with. It just, it gave me a, something to feel good about to, to feel like that I was connected to. Um, what made you go to Germany? Um, I moved, oh God, I moved to Europe for a job in media consulting after graduating college. And the job that I took was kind of a scam. Like I kind of got caught in like this Ponzi scheme. Whoa, and wait, wait, I was home. This. This, this, this is completely true. Yeah, this is completely no, I, true. I believe you. I, just, I, wanna, I want you to. I, I want to back up. I want to hear about this. So, what was the original deal? What were you supposed to be doing? I was supposed to be a media consultant. What does that mean? This job was that I was going to work for this company called the European, excuse me, the European Times, and I was going to go train in Belgium mm-hmm. for two weeks, and then after two weeks, I'd be sent to different European nations, and I would work with the local embassies to help promote tourism in their country. And so I would work with these different ambassadors, be able to create a publication that would promote tourism in this, in this country. So it was, you know, I would go to places outside of London or, or outside of, you know, like it's not Berlin, but it's like, well, while you're visiting Berlin, come see this small town in Elchberg, you know, mm-hmm. that was, what was pitched to me. And then I get there and it was a company that was essentially that, but it was targeted towards countries or you know, places in like Western Africa or in like very underdeveloped parts of like the Philippines. And it was that we got there and we were told that we were arriving for training, but it was actually like round two of the interview. So it was me and 20 other people. And I, I'm, I can not tell you that this, I, I, I swear to God, like this is the most, this is not, I'm not lying about this. It was me and 20 other people from all over the country. 
there were about five of us that were of my age out of college and some people from like that were 40 50 and like have left their lives behind because they thought they had this job and it, it was two weeks of training that turned into it was literally like a reality show and like we would do these like intense seminars and like training videos or these like they would like teach us pretty much how to kind of squirm our way into this you know weird culture of working in these like weird embassies and we would, we would literally learn how to like fabricate press documents we'd learn how to we were taught about like connections and embassies and ambassadors like how to like make it seem like we knew them so we could get into these things it was nuts and you'd wake up some mornings and people would be gone and they'd be like oh yeah they just like didn't they didn't have what it took we sent them home and so i midway through like tried to quit i tried to pull a bendula cram but they wouldn't let me because if I quit, they wouldn't pay for my flight back to the States. And so I quit. And your family and wouldn't pay had, for it? I couldn't tell my parents. That's like, I just didn't want them to know that. Like, I can't imagine being a parent and like having them like, know that's what I was going through. I don't come from money. So like, they, they couldn't have, like, my parents wouldn't have been able to fly me home. Mm-hmm. So this is my life. And so I, I was like, I can speak German. I can, I care about kids. And I'm also like, an hour from Germany so I, I got an opairworld.com profile and I found this family like one night I like got dropped off at an airport I had six dollars to my name and I used four of those six dollars to pay for Wi-Fi to be able to Skype them and I interviewed with them and they picked me up the next day and I lived with them for a year and how was that it was good it was difficult it was really difficult, but it was good. It wasn't the ideal situation, but it was, and it was a very small village. Again, I took care of this very like, young kid, and his mom was younger, like thirty, and she was dating a a guy who was uh, not good for her. They're not together anymore, and he sucked and hated me. Um, but the kid loved me, and we had a very very special relationship. And I'm very 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 fortunate for it. Like I said, it, it midway through, my, the mom had a very serious seizure and a stroke, and she was hospitalized for a long time. And so I became this kid's like dad, pretty much. And it was not easy, but it was a very like, emotionally rewarding experience. Do you still talk to the kid? Yeah, we. T- I mean, we talk less now than we did before, but um, yeah, we talk sometimes. The problem with Germans is that Germans are so non empathetic. So if I say, "Oh my God, you know, ich hab dich vermisst," like I miss you, like do you miss, you know, you're just when I see you, it makes me so happy. They'd be like, well, why did you leave? Where are you been? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, you know, it's like when you're in America and, or like when you're with, you're like, oh, I miss you. Oh, I miss you too. Let's get coffee sometimes. Oh, like, I like, let's like get together, go for happy hour. Mm-hmm. That's like not what Germans say. They're just like, well, if you miss it, you wouldn't have fucking left. It's kind of how they, they treat you. Yeah, they're not, so, the Germans aren't known have, for their affection. For me, I, for me, it was, for me, it was difficult to cope with that because I had guilt leaving them because I, mm-hmm. I mean, I could still be there taking care of that boy right now if I, I, if they had their way so I've had to kind of distance myself but yeah we still talk I still keep up with them and I'm you know he's doing really well he calls me sometimes it's, it's really cute but what made you leave the problem I was just not going anywhere with my life I'm not going anywhere but I was taking care of everyone but myself and I wasn't making a whole lot of money and I, I knew I needed to come home I knew this was like a very temporary thing but I saw it as being a very full-time like the more I, the longer I stayed there, the more ingrained in these people's lives that I became. That I knew if I didn't leave sooner than later, I would be stuck there. 
and I have nothing to show for it really other than taking care of this family which is great but you know I had no savings I had no money au pairing paid 200 euros a month and I went there with nothing so I had very little money to begin with and so I moved to DC with like 8 bucks so I just I had to do it so if you were to have you met any of the queens from season 7 from season 7 have I met any of the queens um I'm thinking through the roster. No, but I know what you're going to ask. And if I met someone through season seven, I would, tr- I would actually probably tell them that whatever they, if they did something on the show, it probably would mean more to me than, than another queen. Yeah. Like I would tell, I would tell Trixie and that's probably why I like Trixie so much. Actually, that you think about it. I would probably tell Trixie like how truly devastated I was for her loss and how happy I was that she came back. We don't get these emails as frequently as you think, but we we do get them where it's someone who tells us how much the show it's and it's my favorite emails to get. We get them about two or three times a season where they tell me and Taylor that the show means so much to them because they're alone, right? Now they watch RuPaul's yeah. Drag Race. But they're alone in their town. Either they're in the closet a lot of times, many times they're in the closet, or if they're not in the closet, they may live in like shit kicker Alabama and there's just there's just no other gay Nothing. people there, right? And so the show scratches an itch where it feels like, oh, I get to talk with friends about the show. And those yeah. emails are so moving to me. They mean so much to me. Because it's like, oh, you know, I've, I've had that feeling before. And mm-hmm. um, and there are people who feel like they know us. You know, they feel like they yeah. know me and Taylor and you because they listen to us and they, we are their pipeline for the show. Is that sort of how you feel about RuPaul's Drag Race? Is that sort of a connection? It's, it's the thing that kind of got you through a tough time? Yeah. Well, so I, I feel that, but it, it's not... I feel that connection to the show not because of me being not not for the gay factory it was just it was a familiarity i was living in a in a different country i was living very isolated i was living in a town where i was there were there are 50 houses in this village i lived i lived in a village called fish if you google fish germany it's where i lived like come on fish just, fish literally i was german fish that that's could not be more accurate and I, it just, it, it wasn't that I was isolated. It just, I had gone from living this, like, and this is going to sound like narcissistic, but I was very like successful in college. I've, I have a great life. I have a wonderful family, wonderful friends. Like I left everything to come be alone and to, to be challenged and to like live with people who like really weren't great at expressing how anything other than what I was perceiving as, you know, incompetence or criticism. And so the show for me, was just was a familiarity that made me feel good. I felt like I I felt like I knew these queens and people online that were talking about the show. I felt like those were my friends because they got me and they got it. And so that's kind of what the connection to the show feel, felt to me. I I think about those people that watch the show and that it, it makes me more appreciative and or it makes me you know I watch the show with my friends here in DC. And sometimes they'll scoff and roll their eyes at these like watershed moments or these like emotional things. And like I'm a I'm a huge crybaby. I, I have no problem saying it. it's a huge it's like a thing in my family. Like we I cried everything. Like I I have no problem being emotional. And 
is because I think about like what a show like this is probably meaning to someone who grew up not having a gay representation or having someone tell them that it's okay that they're trans or you know like it's mm-hmm. I totally get that and I, I get it more because I've been in a situation where this show was really my connection to a world that I kind of left behind or a familiarity that I that I abandoned so yeah I was uh, on RuPaul Radio on Thursday. I told a story about how in the first, you know, 25 or so episodes of Catching Up, I was very extra. Literally the definition mm-hmm. of extra. And there yeah, was like one episode... 125. There was one... People were liking you till now. Um, <laughs> there was this one episode when I went to a... Um, like a, like a film festival. They were showing old movies in, in, in LA has a lot of movie palaces, like old, mm-hmm. old, old movie palaces. And they were showing wizard of Oz at this one. And I was there and my cousin and I, we got there not late, but late enough. We had to sit kind of close to the front and they played, and there were a lot of kids there, obviously because wizard of Oz and, um, the over the rainbow came on, you know, that part of the movie. Yep. Somewhere over the rainbow came on. And that's the song's going, and um, I remember thinking, uh, "Oh, th- th- who, what, who are all these people crying?" You know. Yeah. And um, I'm actually going to go there to it right now, actually, because uh, this is um, I'm basically going to re re uh, re re uh, do RuPaul Radio, um, but. Um. Can I tell you something while you're you're pulling this up? Yeah. You there? I'm here. Yeah. Oh, I watched this uh, greatest show, whatever, the greatest showman, whatever, with uh-huh. this musical with Zach Efron. Oh, this girl was on the Today Show this morning, and I watch it, and I watch it having coffee this morning, and I started weeping. And I've been listening to it all day. So whatever you're about to play, I feel like I'm about to get. I'm about to well, you know what? It. I'm actually gonna. You know, you know. To be honest with you, everyone listening, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna top it. I highly recommend. So let me tell you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring it all together. Okay. I'm gonna bring everything together. I'm not gonna play the drag. The somewhere over the rainbow from Little Boss. One of the best gay events I ever went to. Most meaningful gay events I ever went to. <clears throat> is. Haley's mom, I'll answer the question in a second. She asked, why was everyone crying over over the rainbow? I'll get to that in a second. Is Rufus Wainwright. You know who that is, Evan? I don't. I'm sorry. Oh, do you really not know who Rufus Wainwright is? Rufus Wainwright. I think I know the name. He's a singer, but he's a gay singer. He has great songs. Okay. Wainwright. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in his face. So he, he, this is like over 10 years ago now. On an anniversary of um, of Judy Garland did this epic performance at Carnegie Hall. Many people who were there called it the greatest night of in show business history or something, right? It was a comeback. She had lost everything. She was broke. Okay? Mm-hmm. And this is why gay men are, uh, uh, they love Judy Garland. She's so hot mess, like they love, right? 
she'd fall in love with guys and they'd break her heart and she'd be broke, you know, right? Yeah. And she'd have to like get the kids and like come on, <laughs> we're gonna put on a show and bring it together. And so at Carnegie Hall, uh she put on this night. It was actually a weekend or so two and three inch performances, right? But people who went and sold out and stuff like that. It's just you should listen to the album. The album is a fantastic. It should be like the whole album is fantastic, and it should be like required listening for every gay man. Actually, mm-hmm. and now she's older because you know the, the somewhere over the rainbow we know is when she's younger, right? So let me finish the story about her being young, okay? So she's young, and they were all crying. And I turn around, why the fuck are these guys crying over this fucking... And they're all old men. It's all old gay men crying, and the kids are just talking. And I turn around, and I was just thinking about it. I've seen this movie a million times. My mind can wander. Who cares? And I was like, oh, fuck. They're old gay men. This is their Lady Gaga. This is their... Yeah. Um. And they were in the closet... And the song is about wishing you could be somewhere else and not home, you know, and and being away from Mm -hmm. it all. And the song meant so much to them. They were crying. Because here they were in this movie palace. Movies on a big screen in a movie palace, I don't care. It's just a different experience, an amazing experience. And I think it really got to them. So to go to the Carnegie Hall performance, this is Judy Garland. Now, she only has like a few years left to live, like four years. You know, she's going to be dead in four years, right? She's had – Judy. Mm. if you ever know Judy Garland's life story, it's really, really – It's crazy. Really sad. I just read an article. Of, it's very sad. And there, she was in the headlines just today. Oh, she was? Why? Yeah, oh, because her daughter, Lorna left, collapsed. Yeah, Lorna left collapsed. So yeah, so yeah, Lorna left. She has yeah. Lorna left and Lee, and Liza Minnelli. They're little, they're te- young teenagers then, right? And she has uh-huh. Mama has to go put on a show to make some money so they can live, they can pay bills, right? And obviously the big finale at the show is Over the Rainbow, which I'm gonna play right now. But this one now, she's older. Dude. You hear the life. I'm gonna play the whole song. We need to think about what you right There's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. That you dare to dream really do come true. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. Troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. 
I can see being a mess at this. Well, this is the concert version, which is, I mean, this is like, you know her, like, oh, yeah. She's coming, she's coming back. So yeah, so like, because that one, it's like, now you're hearing like, oh, bitch, if you know her life story, you're like, the song just means so much more. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? That's stunning. Yeah, you should, that, that, by the way, everyone, that in, that entire album is amazing start to finish. That What's it called? It's called, you, do you have Spotify or anything like that? I do have Spotify, yeah. Let me see, the album is called Judy at Carnegie Hall. Okay. And uh and then uh Rufus Wainwright did it like literally note for note. Like for instance, because you know why? It's very her, you know, like you kinda get like the whole like there's there's a really famous one when she sings listen to the like she's like on pills and she like that is a part where like she forgets the words of the song in the middle of the song. Mm-hmm. Let's see, hold on. We'll play until she gets there. And, I find she's you standing and she's just like, and she tells stories, and the stories the go nowhere. And it reminds me right, of like Elaine Stritch when she's like, she like starts to forget the words of her own song. Like That's like, the sparkling yeah. burgundy brew. But like, she's just all like, cracked out and drugged up. Like <laughs> and you're like, because you know they had to like, give her the pills just to get her out there and perform the song. The thrill of the salt that you um, might give us Yeah, this is great, like, I need to do work and have it on in the background kind of song. Yeah. 
Go R206 to talk to like a jagged little pill. That's the same. same. I think it's right here. I think it's right here. Go to my head. And I forgot the god darn words. When the honey sympathies of how found. Are you intoxicate my soul with your eyes? So, like, yeah. And then she tells stories and they just don't go anywhere. And she's all crazy. So, I have uh, to listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great, 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 great album. Um, and so then, uh, if you get way into it, then Rufus Wainwright like recreated it, um, and then he did a tour where he actually did all the stops that she did. Uh, uh. He did those exact same stops and performed the show exactly the way uh, she performed them, and he like it's it's incredible. It was incredible. So it was one of the best because it was the first gay event that I ever went to that was very 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 gay, and mm-hmm. was not about sex. Yeah, just about. Which is about being gay. Yeah. And what that's beautiful. So anyway, back to what not, not back to what we think. How did you feel now actually opening up like that and like letting down your guard? And because let me tell you this, before you say anything, what you have to understand too is when I was listening to you talk, is I feel often if I have a criticism of you, I love doing the show with you, is I feel that you haven't gotten to the point. And by the way, it takes practice. Like I told you, I did 25 episodes before. And by the way, to be honest with you, it was 25 episodes and I had one moment where I was genuine, right? Yeah. I probably wasn't genuine for another 25 after that. So is so it's hard. It's a skill you have to learn to learn to be just very natural and yourself on the air and just expose yourself. But when yeah. you do... It's amazing broadcasting. Once you let your guard down and you do that, it's amazing broadcasting. So what you may or may not realize, and the people in the chat room can vote if they want, when you were talking about this and you were being real and, and when you actually finally got real, when, when you actually stopped being polite and started getting real, um, it was phenomenal, phenomenal broadcasting. So how do you feel? how did you feel about exposing yourself like that? Even though it was a terrible exposure it was more, more real than you've ever been on the show yeah. how did you I feel, feel good i mean that's the thing is that i've 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 never shied away from from having like like from being that or sharing those stories or experiences it's just it's a uh, it's it may be uncomfortable just because you don't really know it, it's different on here because i think there's a pressure that if we were sitting in a room having a conversation i would be have i would have no problem doing it but it mm-hmm. I think maybe I was just skeptical of, of being that way at first, but it feels good. You can post that. I don't care. I've been exposed. Thank you. I pre- I really appreciate that. So my my pain. I'm I'm not ashamed of my experiences. I think it's there. It's more so like, do I think anyone really cares? Which no, is the thing. nor but should if it, you. But if it opens up the 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 comfortable comfortable the like. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, but the, you shouldn't be embarrassed. But like, the more you expose yourself and the more you open yourself up and you allow the audience to be the net that catches you, the more you're going to make it yourself yeah. ready for Survivor. Like, you know, there's a, he's actually a movie producer. And he's a, he has creepy stories about him. He wrote a, a book and a, and a documentary basically called The Kid Stays in the Picture. And his name is Robert Evans. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is as big of a part of the documentary, but in the book... He has a quote that he repeats over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. Which is luck. He defines luck as this. He defines luck as when preparation meets opportunity. 
Okay. So luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So you have to get yourself ready. So that means eating right, looking fucking as hot as you can look. Douching. Pardon me? (laughs) You heard me. I didn't hear you. I said douching. Oh, douching. Uh, (laughs) And then, but also learning to speak on mic the way you just spoke and exposing yeah. yourself and not like there was a part of you in the beginning and you were worried that you're too dark for the room or too, don't don't worry about that you put the content out there and um skirt russell by the way i'm sorry sorry to interrupt skirt russell yes that is one of the best audiobooks the kid stays in the picture by the way anyone who's listening the kid stays in the picture of the audiobook is one of the best audiobooks i've ever heard in my entire life I should listen. I need to pull that up. Yeah. Constantly, it's the same thing. It's like, he has the same way of talking. He talks he like this, right? He's like, it'll be like some old-timey actress. He'll be like, Ursula Andress. Did I love her? Yes. I don't know. Was she the <laughs> most beautiful woman I ever saw? Perhaps. Did I bang her? You bet your ass. You bet your ass I did. <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it, it, it's constantly, that's the whole audiobook. So yeah. anyway... Um, That's good to know. Thank you. Anyway, the point is you have to get ready because that opportunity one day is going to be there for you to have your shot to go on Survivor. And you need to be prepared. And the way you're going to prepare is get hot and become uh, really good at the broadcasting part. Give them the material. Don't be afraid to open up. So then when the shot comes, you can give them what they need. And then they go like, this guy is going to be good on TV. So, Thanks, Dad. No, well, look. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm being very sincere. Thank you. I appreciate that. I need to hear that. Um, and so, like, so what you have to do, like, I know this was a very special moment. You can only really do it off the show and stuff like that. But try to keep how that felt in mind and okay. don't be afraid to go there. And the more you go there, the more the audience bonds with you. And, um, uh, yeah. yeah. Vulnerability. No, thank All you. All right. Let's call this show to an end. Uh, thank okay. you for the 18 One more, one more thing real quick. Joe R., I want to talk with you about Alanis Morissette sometimes because that's a very relatable discussion you were talking about. What was he saying about Alanis Morissette? He was saying, we were talking about Jagged Little Pill, and he mm-hmm. said, um, what do you say? I'm a mess when perfect comes on. I just the the way that with the way you were describing the Judy Garland um, clip is like how I feel listening to Alanis Morissette. But we'll talk about it later. Well, you know this what's thing- funny is I bet you people think, oh, Joe, an old man, like you know, no, 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 no. But here's I didn't get into this Judy Garland like the that the the Rufus Wainwright. That's the first time I I went to the concert not even knowing that album, and I fell in love with it. And I bought it on the way out, and I've only known it then. But let's call it a day. Evan, yep. any final words to say to the audience? Thank you guys so much for listening, and this was been this has been uh, enlightening and um, revealing. So thank you. Sometimes <laughs> it's never quite enough. Joe, you're wonderful, and I appreciate this. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great night or day wherever you are in the world. Hey friends. Don't forget to keep that smile on your face.
Thank you.